0: Hey guys, it's Jess, and I'm back on the porch swing with Kevin LaPorte and Amanda Rachels for this week's commentary episode on The Golden Arm, now available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. So I just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and hope you had a very safe (laughs) Black Friday and hoping that turkey coma is starting to wear off. And uh, anything new going on this week, guys?
1: There's always new stuff going
2: on. <laughs> There's always so much. I can't keep up with it. Goodness gracious.
1: Doing a lot of writing, prepping stories for the next few weeks. Um, the story that we're dropping this coming week called The Air Show is done. Amanda's done the audio on it. She's got some editing and it'll go up tomorrow night.
2: Ooh, drawing, drawing, drawing.
1: <laughs> There's uh, never a shortage of, of activity here. Ain't no such thing. We're either doing comics or we're prepping episodes for the podcast.
2: Well, one new thing that I talked about in the podcast was that I do create a piece of original art for each episode, and it's up on eBay. I think at the time we post this podcast, there's about two days left on it, and I start them low. I start them at 25 bucks, so you can get a really cool piece of art. This one, it's got Jove and Margaret and Nora and a neat little tableau. The
1: whole love triangle there, one piece of art. I think it really does a good job of summing up the story of the Golden Arm. If you haven't listened yet, please go listen. There are spoilers ahead, so be sure you listen to the Golden Arm podcast before we get there because we're going to go into a deep dive about what's behind the story, not just from the way we told it, but historically. This story goes back uh, centuries, literally. So please be sure and go listen to that and then come back to our on the porch Swing commentary podcast about the golden arm. Other things new this week, we got some more five star reviews. Thanks to everyone who's reviewed so far. We've got quite a few more five star reviews and they're all five stars so far. So that's terrific. Wow. Yeah, Y'all we, love
2: us. Thank you.
1: We really appreciate it. It just takes a second to drop a review. You don't have to put up comments, but we appreciate those. And that lets us know who has left a review. If you comment, we we know your name. We know who's left reviews and that gives us an opportunity to thank you here on the porch swing. So let me run through a few names. The most recent is Ian McDowell, left us a five-star review. Thanks, Ian, up there in Greensboro, you in rock, North Carolina. Ian.
2: Thank you, buddy.
0: He even actually made a comment in the, and later in this episode, we'll go through some of it. He mentioned a video. so it was kind Yeah, of- he,
1: he made a post on the group page on, on our Facebook group uh, and please, we encourage everybody to do that. Jump on, give us your comments, your posts, your your take on the stories or, or different takes on the stories from your own experiences. Also, I think our buddy Gary Scott Beatty published one of our earliest uh, Vicious Circus clown horror stories. Hi, Gary. About eight or nine years ago in this in Indie Comics mag. He's still putting out comics today. Um, his Witches of Azerin comic is on Webtoons. Uh, absolutely free. To read, it's an amazing piece of Lovecraftian horror. Highly recommend Gary's work. He's a longtime friend of ours and a fellow comics creator.
2: Totally my speed.
1: Absolutely. Great, great guy. Um, B Mom 2007 says she knows us from comics. I'm not sure who that is. I could take a guess, but it could be a, one of a few different people. <laughs> but we'll leave her incognito for the moment. I'm not quite sure who that is. Um, Heidi Hess. Our friend from Cosmic Times.
2: We love you, Heidi. Hi,
1: Heidi. Stephen Hines, Jess's dad.
2: <laughs> hey, Dad. Thanks, we to you. To Steve. <laughs> we appreciate it.
1: <laughs> and Mr. Tomorrow, uh, another comic fan. I don't quite know who it is. A mystery.
2: Yes. Mystery but, Tomorrow.
1: But we appreciate all our, our friends who read our comics over the past ten years, who have transitioned to what we're doing here with horror stories on Ain't No Such Thing. Those ratings mean the world to us. They also mean drawing attention to the podcast and growing our audience and making sure we're able to do this for longer. So thanks again. We really appreciate it. If you haven't left a review, jump over to iTunes. Just drop us a five-star. If you want to leave some comments, we'd appreciate it. And we will shout you out if we know who you are.
2: Yep, we sure will.
0: Okay guys, so let's dive in, Um, and before we do, let me just put that out there again. This is a spoiler alert. If you have not listened to The Golden Arm, please go do so right now. Um, We're going to kind of get into details, and I do not want to mess this story up for you guys, so do that now, and here we go. So guys, I am so curious before we get into this,
2: um, what made you choose this story? Well, it's one of my favorite stories, and I learned it as a kid, and it always stuck with me. My cousin Lance, he told it to me and my sister, and I remember we were in the back of my parents' car on our way home from church, and he tells tells us his story. He gets really into the I want my golden arm, <laughs> and oh, we were we were spooked, and so he he spent the night and stayed in our guest room that night, and my sister and I were up in our room, and our house had an intercom system, and that little butthead. He got onto the intercom in the middle of the night and woke us up going, I want my golden arm. <laughs> and we were just horrified. It was It's hilarious looking back. It wasn't at the time. <laughs> I know it, I, a lot of the things in life are all Lance's fault, and I'm looking for it. So thanks for that, buddy.
0: So feeding off on that, there must be a lot of history and retellings of the story. I mean, even one of our um, followers had mentioned the story in the Andy Griffith show, like a campfire ghost story. So what other histories or retellings do you guys
2: know? Well, I guess it's the, um, the, the most famous one is uh, from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And it's a different version, but it is the same story. If any of you all f- are familiar with it, it's the big toe. And it's not a golden arm. It's a big toe. Who's got my toe? But it's, <laughs> it, it ends the same. Um, and I, I love Campfire Tales and Urban Legends because the first time I heard it, I, I believed everything that Lance said. So I think you're supposed to just hear it from word of mouth in a way. It's, it's even better hearing it that way than, um, than reading it for yourself. What do you think?
1: Yeah, and even going back to uh, Mark Twain's inclusion of it in his book on how to tell a story. He, he wrote an entire book on storytelling, believe it or not, and he included the golden arm in that. And the way that he presented it was as a campfire tale. And his whole point was you have to have your cadence right, your pacing right, and then you catch the most unsuspecting, as he put it, little girl, and you scare her with that final, was it you? That's how he put it. And if you watch the Andy Griffith episode, it was uh, season four, episode 31. Thanks, Ian. Uh, That's how Andy told it. A totally different version of the narrative than what you hear, which is usually a husband stealing it from his dead wife. In Andy's version, it was a man who lost his arm to a bear, (laughs) who then had the treasure he found in the bear's cave melted and then formed into the golden arm. And then somebody stole it from him, and he was looking for it for eternity as a haunt.
2: I Very different
1: version, mm, but I love that version.
2: I seriously can't believe that I had never heard that before. As much as I love the Andy Griffith show well, and, and Andy Griffith. Man, what a master storyteller! For years,
1: Andy we was. watched it after the news every night, yeah. and that's, that episode just never aired. It was mm-hmm. interesting, but we I really appreciate Ian posting that. and That's the kind of interaction we want with people who listen to the podcast is, Let us know little extras like that. We'll always include it. We'd love to hear about it. And it makes it more fun for us, so we, we, we really appreciate it.
0: All right, so kind of going along with the story. So we meet Jove, and I'm saying that correctly, right? Jove? Jove. Jove, all right. (laughs) Um, He's digging up this grave, and you almost feel like he is digging up this woman that he absolutely loves. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then we meet Nora, and it's not necessarily a woman. So how did you (laughs) visualize this arm? Well,
1: Nora is a piece of hardware. Based on some things that are happening in the real world of science and, and medicine right now, there are these uh, prosthetic arms that work, not, not just arms, but legs, hands, other types of prosthetics, that work based on thoughts. There's actual technology that can use subcortical implants, and I don't want to get too deep in the woods on the technology where you can actually make the fingers flex make the arm move based on your thoughts like you do your own arm the the neural aspects are different they don't come from the spine necessarily like our current limbs operate but that's based in real science Um, not only that but they have their own computers on board so Nora is an artificial intelligence as I wrote in the story she's an artificial intelligence in an artificial arm so she is her own creature as you know People like Elon Musk have warned against the dangers of artificial intelligence for some time now ironically Elon Musk's own company one of his many companies is the is at the forefront of developing these thought operated prosthetic limbs and that's one of the things that influenced the story for sure I keep up with the things this guy does because he's such an innovator he's kind of leading the charge in their entire world in terms of uh, solar technology, electric vehicles, just go down the list, space exploration. And so, indelibly, the kinds of things that you see in the news, see in his own posts, and the things his company's doing are gonna influence storytelling. And then trying to modernize the golden arm, that's how Nora came to be. His product, his prosthetic arm is called Neuralink. And I wanted a name for the antagonist Mm -hmm. in this story who is the arm. And so I just switched that to Nora.
0: (laughs) And, you know, talking about the technology, you know, I felt, you know, while I was listening to it, it was very Black Mirror, if you will. Um, Just kind of reminded me of the love that we have for technology. Um, But clearly this went a little deeper.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I dearly love Charlie Brooker's Black Mirror stories. They're Mm -hmm. they're amazing. They're topical. They're Twilight Zone level and in some cases even better if you want to. Ask me. I have a very high opinion of those stories, but if there's a similar type of story to what we did with the Golden Arm, it's her, the Joaquin Phoenix movie where he falls in love with an operating system, and it's very different in terms of yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's an amazing film. And that guy, I mean, Joker, come on, that dude's at the top of every game. What's different about Jove's relationship with Nora versus? the walking Phoenix character's relationship with the operating system, and I don't recall the name of the system off the top of my head, is that Jove's motivations seem to be much more carnal. <laughs>
2: He's <laughs> Where, a creeper.
1: Yeah. Whereas the walking Phoenix character's motivations seem to be much more emotional.
0: So, Do you feel like it's passion that kind of led him to take his own arm?
1: I think that's a part of it surely he was trying to make some sort of sacrificial gesture to this object of love or obsession or whatever you want to call it but I think there's also an aspect of body identity disorder which is kind of a new diagnosis on the psychiatric scene in the past decade or so I encountered a case or two of it myself when I was working more directly in treatment and situations where people felt their body wasn't whole because it had two legs that was a real thing that we encountered in a situation that I worked with in the past. And you can find accounts of these sorts of, of things all over the internet, certainly for uh, from reports, from medical journals, things like that, where some people want to be crippled. They want to be in wheelchairs. That's how they see themselves, as part of their identity. And they will attempt to maim and harm themselves if they don't get medical intervention to get to that point. And I think Jove has a little piece of that that's a little bit behind what's driving him here. But there's also an emotional, psychosexual type of connection he has with this arm. Whether that comes from his relationship with his wife while she had the arm. That's a different question. It's hard to tell. And I don't want to focus too much on the, on that in the story. Because you get into a lot of psycho babble that takes away from, number one, the fun of the story. Number two, the pace and tempo of the story, which could take it from being a a horror story to a case study, which nobody wants to sit around and read outside (laughs) of a a classroom. So there's definitely elements of both passion and disorder.
2: I like that we didn't really get the best idea of Joven Margaret's relationship, though, since it's one-sided from him. So he may just be jaded and bitter She may have been a perfectly nice lady.
0: Well, she doesn't come back perfectly nice. She wants her arm back. I want my arm back, too.
1: That would piss me off, too, though.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd haunt you. I
1: don't blame her. I don't blame her one bit.
0: Well, speaking of maiming, how did you research to do a self-amputation?
1: The same way anybody in modern days researches something with Google. Google. (laughs) Uh, The things I discovered, if you're not a surgeon, I suppose, or you don't work in trauma trauma types of situations in the field of medicine I guess these kinds of things don't come come up often but what I learned was that there are of course multiple steps to amputating you have to go through soft tissue you have to tie off the blood vessels so they don't bleed to death you have to bundle the nerves so that their pain is manageable afterward you have to handle the soft tissue after the amputation in such a way that it will make a stump that is uh, clean pain free and sanitary. And these are all things that have to be taken into account. You don't just take a saw and go to work. Um, those are, the, there are steps that the physicians go through, that these surgeons go through to make sure that the wound becomes a healed spot on the body that can tolerate a prosthetic.
0: Y'all, he did his uh, research. <clears throat> the more you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, if you find yourself obsessed with slash in love with a disembodied piece of equipment or a computer persona, or if you find yourself wanting to cut off pieces of your body for some reason, definitely get some professional help.
2: And not Google. Y'all know better.
1: Y'all know better. And now... Amanda's going to give you a preview of this coming week's story that drops Sunday night. We moved this back to Sunday night for a few different reasons. Hopefully that'll be an easier time for everyone to find it and, and give it a listen early on. But she's going to give you a preview of The Air Show, which is a story that I wrote based on experiences in the 1970s going to drive-in movie theaters, which were honestly creepy as hell. So please enjoy.
2: "'Yo, meat!' yelled the cracking voice of a man-posturing 13-year-old from out of the dark. His boys called him Meat. Demetrius liked that. Most everybody in the village carried a nickname, but his came later in life than most. For Meat, it was worth the wait. Meat meant he was a man. Meat meant he was a force. He ran in the direction of Beau's voice, jump-kicking one more speaker along the way. Near the screen... The busted blacktop gave way to a weed-choked copse of trees, once a playground for the bored children of moviegoers and for makeout artists. Meat slowed up there, scanned for his friend, past the rusted swing set hung with chains like Christmas tinsel, and past the covered corkscrew slide turned death trap. No bow. A bow, he called into the vines and the branches. Silence. Maybe the clink chime of swing chains in the hot spring breeze. Sleepy's window work had stopped, too. Standing alone in this old and shrouded place, long ignored by the living, was an altogether different proposition in confidence than attacking it with allies just as angry. A gunshot rang out near the driveway on 12th Avenue, and Meat spun in time to see the lone street light there spark out from the bullet, and to hear the giggles and paired running footsteps of Sleepy and Bo abandoning him to the air show. Very funny, little bitches.
0: All right, guys, so to kind of wrap things up, uh, like he mentioned, um, the next episode, The Air Show, is going to be going out Sunday night. We're running just a little bit late, obviously, with uh, all the holidays and things like that. But um, we are going to have On the Porch Swing episode come out Wednesday. So please, please, please drop us some comments, um, questions, anything like that on Facebook. And, you know, go ahead and check out those episodes um, so we can talk about them. Have a great day awesome week and hope to hear from you guys
2: soon. Bye y'all. Bye y'all.